Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to episode 132 of the Conquering Columbus podcast. Today on the show, we've got Jim Smith joining us, and Jim has an incredible story. He's been in leadership roles for sports management for everything from the WWF to the NFL, and today he's the president and CEO of the Ohio State University Alumni Association. I really think you'll enjoy this episode and learn a lot from everything Jim has to say. Before we get to that, I want to take a quick moment, as usual, to thank all the incredible sponsors and supporters here at Conquering Columbus. So I'm going to kick it over to Josh to tell you a little more about our first sponsor, FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself, become the fastest-growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored-fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent, through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state, and you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And our next sponsor is Share. For the rides that you take the most, ride with Share. Share is a new transportation company now driving Columbus. Schedule your ride and Share picks you up at your door with professional drivers and a growing fleet of connected vehicles. Share is now hiring with entry-level management positions available. You can learn more about careers with Share at drivewithshare.com. Finally, if you've ever wondered what it takes to start your own podcast, we're here to help. We're putting together a podcast startup package with our recommendations and some of the key lessons we learned over the past two years of podcasting. You can sign up by heading over to our website, conqueringcolumbus.com. And while you're there, don't forget to give us a like on Facebook and be sure to subscribe and share Conquering Columbus wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Conquerors, let's get the show on the road. You could drop me anywhere on the planet, in any environment, and I might get, you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of Conquering Columbus. Today on the show, we have Mr. Jim Smith joining us, and Jim is the president and CEO of The Ohio State University Alumni Association. And before joining the Alumni Association, Jim spent 25 years in the sports and entertainment world, serving in roles such as the VP and Chief Marketing Officer for the Atlanta Falcons. He was also the president and general manager for the Columbus Crew, and served as the Associate Athletic Director for Ohio State. And he also spent some time in the WWF world, which we'll maybe talk about a little bit later. But we're really excited to have you here on the show, Jim. Welcome to Conquering Columbus. Great. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and so 
kind of first questions I'd like to ask is, hey, how's your day going? <laughs> Good. You know, it, you know, every day is a great day, but especially after uh, this past Saturday in the shoe, you know, it always <laughs> always makes this week a little bit uh, a little bit better, as you know from uh, competing against Michigan. Uh, every every time you get a victory against Michigan, it's great and. Uh, so it's a, it's a great day, but in all reality, when uh, working at the Alumni Association, uh, there, you know, in almost my three years there, I can tell you that every day has been a great day. So it's great to be back as a Buckeye and uh, great to be back in Columbus. So one of the places we'd like to start off is maybe just get a little bit uh, deeper background on you, maybe talk about childhood and upbringing and some real strong highlights that stick out for you as you were going through those years and up into college. So you want to just kick it back wherever makes the most sense for you? And- sure, sure. So I grew up in uh, in Milford, Connecticut. Milford's a little blue-collar town uh, in, in Connecticut. And uh, so I have a one older sister, and she and I uh, grew up there. My parents were there for oh, 55 years. They lived, We lived in the same house. And it was a great place to grow up. It was right on the Long Island Sound uh, in Connecticut, so I got to go to the city, New York City, quite a bit, take the train. So I'm a, a you know big time uh, Yankee, Knicks, Rangers fan. So uh, you know you, you kind of grow up. And, and Milford really is the border between New York and Boston fans. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's a it's a plenty of border wars that go on in, in Milford. Plenty of my friends uh, grew up uh, Red Sox fans when they were horrific, which was great. And the Yankees dominated back then. So, uh, but you know, I grew up playing sports. I was involved in uh, in in running sports uh, at a very young age, and uh, you know, I, I was actually the youngest high school basketball referee in the state of Connecticut at 17, and started working games, uh, the high school games, really refereeing my 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 peers, and it, it gave me a great feel for uh, what it's like to be in organized sports and having to deal with conflict and. Uh, so you, you, I got that from a player and also from uh, the referee's perspective. So I graduated high school in Milford and then uh, went to undergrad at uh, Northwestern. So this weekend, pretty, uh, pretty cool feeling to have both my schools in the, uh, in the Big Ten Championship. And uh, yeah, although there's clearly only one winner in this one, and it's going to be Ohio State. So as much as I, uh, I'm, yeah, right, a little knock on wood. But uh, as much as I had a great four years at Northwestern, absolutely uh, outstanding school. Spent many summers in the uh, Chicago area. Chicago is a great city. We have a lot of Buckeyes in Chicago, so I love going back and visiting uh, in Chicago. So it's um, it's been uh, it was really good, and then uh, you know then then I kind of pursued the career for a little while before coming back to Ohio State. So what was your first role after Northwestern? So I started my uh, so I it was actually I moved to California. I didn't have a job, so I was one of those students that graduated and uh, didn't have a job. And a, a lot of my friends were going to work for Arthur Anderson consulting firms and things like that, and I had nothing, so I moved to. Uh, moved out with uh, with a relative, my aunt, in uh, Central California. And I, I share the career story uh, quite a bit with young people who are interested in getting into sports. So if you took um, a, uh, if you took the state of California and took a line north-south, right down the middle of the state, east-west in the middle of the state, put a pin in it, you're going to be in Visalia, California. It is not L.A. or San Francisco. It is in the middle of the valley, and that's where she lived. And I moved out there, and I got a job in minor league baseball. And I thought this was the greatest. Single-A baseball. This was back before – think of the Clippers – 
back in the old stadium 25 years ago. That's what minor league baseball was like when I worked in it. So there were two of us who did it. Uh, there was a general manager and an assistant general manager. And we split the duties and kind of ran a uh, minor league baseball team for a season. And it was fantastic. It gave you the opportunity to experience every single part of being in an organization. And um, so I did that for a year. I also had to, just to kind of tell you, because it was a two-man shop, and it was well before minor league baseball had its renaissance uh, into the business that it is today. Uh, I also bartended and coached women's tennis at the junior college to make ends meet and pull it all together. So uh, I realized, you know, this is um, all my friends are making really good money that graduated from Northwestern. Here I am working three jobs, but chasing a little bit of the chasing the dream. And that's really what it was. So I figured a, a master's degree would be a, uh, a great next step to help me make a little bit more money and advance my sports career and I got the opportunity to attend Ohio State for my master's degree and that was really where I say as much as I loved going to Northwestern my life and everything that has come since the time I came uh, to Ohio State is due uh, to being a Buckeye and, and experiencing uh, Columbus and meeting my wife here and also getting an education here and you know it's a Funny that you say that all because like I had a similar experience with Ohio State. So I came out here from San Diego, and you know I don't know something about when I stepped my first first step foot on campus. I just kind of knew it. there was this feeling in your stomach. You're like, this is where I want to go, um, and had a similar experience and met my fiance there. So it's just it's funny how many times you hear that story about the Buckeyes though, and how the school can really affect you that way. But um, once you get to Ohio State, how long do you spend there, and what are you studying for your, your business master's? So I, I, I mentioned earlier, I grew up a, uh, a blue-collar kid. My dad served in World War, World War II. He's 93. So when I went to undergrad, he refused to fill out any forms, any financial aid forms, anything. He would not. It's, that was that generation that just wasn't going to share any information. And so he paid for my, with no help, he paid for it all. And we would have qualified for help, but he paid for it all. So my promise to him was I'll cover grad school. And so I applied to different places and I got a graduate assistantship. So I was a grad assistant in recreational sports. At the time there was this building called Larkins Hall on campus. It's not RPAC uh, today that uh, this generation gets, it, it, but it, it was the, it was truly a gymnasium, lots of gymnasiums and uh, some locker rooms. The wrestling team worked out of there. Uh, gymnastics team was there. But all the intramurals, everything that went, went on really for recreational sports was there. And so that my graduate assistantship was uh, with them. And I spent two years here going to grad school uh, studying sports management at the time. And there were, at that time, there were only three programs in the country that did sports management at any, of any significance. It was uh, UMass. Uh, Ohio University and Ohio State. Those were the three. And if you look today, there's probably 500 that do it. So Ohio State was well ahead of the game. It was a great program. There was a professor who's world-renowned in sports that was here at the time. His name is Bill Sutton. And he was connected in every sports industry. So if you were in the program, you could get an internship really anywhere. And so it was a, uh, just a great time to be a part of that program. You know, so I spent two years here. I worked in intramurals, uh, and it's also where I met my wife. She, she actually worked for me 
at the time, she was a, a senior when I was in my uh, second year of grad school, and, uh, and, and we met here and you know, stayed together ever since. It's funny that you say the information thing. So I was buying a house recently, and the person that I was buying it from was a little bit older and served in the military a long while back, and we couldn't get him to give his license over so they could scan it. To the, like, and it was just like the most strenuous process I'd ever gone through. And great guy, just didn't really understand the way that things had to, had to roll with that. So it's, that's a funny story. Um, so you get done with your master's, and then is that when you join with the crew, or is there a step in between oh, no, there? No, no, no. There's a few steps al along the way. Uh, so I actually uh, graduated in uh, 91 and moved to another uh, hotspot in that most people don't know about Huntsville, Texas. And uh, Huntsville, Texas is the home of two things. The one I worked at was Sam Houston State University. Uh, it's a one uh, AA school, FBS, uh, regional, nice size, 10,000 at the time, 10,000, now 22,000 students. And, uh, but it's also known for uh, the maximum security prison where all the executions take place. So you literally can hear, it's called the wall, you can hear the sirens from the campus of what's going on, shift changes and all those things. So I was on the positive side of being in Huntsville, but it is in, it's out 70 miles outside of uh, Houston, not a spot you're gonna put on your uh, travel or your, your vacation. But I went there to run their arena, their 7,000 seat uh, arena. Uh, and I started in the business that way. And I also, the, the, my connection there and, uh, was uh, I worked as a student also in recreational sports at Northwestern. And the guy I worked for there was down at Sam Houston. So when I got my master's degree, he hired me down there. And I went down there, never, you know, I went down for the interview and moved two weeks later uh, you know, to East Texas. And it was hot. So... Uh, that was my first, uh, really my first job out of uh, grad school. And you seem to be pretty quick to get up and just kind of try new places. Have you always kind of been adventurous and not really worried about uh, what you could be leaving behind? Like, I think when I think about Columbus, like I've grown such deep roots here that I know there's great opportunities out there, but I'm hesitant to leave the amazing people I've built relationships with in this city. Was that ever an apprehension for you? Or? Yeah, so uh, definitely. Um, but I, I had this other side, so I think that's definitely important. But I, every place I went, I was chasing a dream. And I think one of the things I tell people is my dreams continue to change. So when I went into minor league baseball, I wanted to be the GM of the Yankees, right? Because that was, that was it. And I realized, okay, I'm going to have to do a little more work to get to the Yankees. So let me go get a master's. I get the master's, and my friend calls me to go to Texas to run an arena. Now I want to be the president of Madison Square Garden. And so the dream, the dream evolved. It was all in this industry of sports entertainment. And, and, and ultimately, to, to try to get to the pinnacle of it, wherever it was, well, clearly I didn't make it there either, uh, because along the way, uh, at, well, th three and a half years at Sam Houston, we also, for the first time, promoted uh, entertainment events there. So we did comedians and concerts and family shows and the World Wrestling Federation, the Harlem Globetrotters, <clears throat> excuse me, this thing called the American Gladiators Live Tour, uh, all these things that we brought in, and I got to know the wrestling people. And so never, I grew up enjoying uh, watching uh, the World Wrestling Federation, but never did I think I'd work there. And, you know, I, I have this philosophy of, hey, hey I think, uh, I, if I think I'm going to enjoy it, I'm going to try it. And if I end up not enjoying it, then I'll get a new job. Um, but uh, so the path definitely wasn't linear by any means. 
Uh, and I don't know that I had a dream of working in World Wrestling Federation, but it sounded like a pretty neat opportunity. And, uh, and it was. It was incredible. So that's after I left Texas. I took the gamble to go back again so, uh, and, and move to Connecticut at this time, which is where I grew up. So it was kind of, that one was kind of feeling like I was going home. And you don't strike me as the type of person I would, when I think of World Feder Wrestling Federation, I don't picture you. So what was that experience like? What was the initial phase of, of entering that world? And can you take us through the experience? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Uh, it, was, uh, it, it was truly um, nuts. The building, when you were there, now this was before it, it has evolved to where it is today, to where... They would uh, wrestling was not going to admit that it may have been choreographed, and so it was still being present not it was still being presented as real competition, right? What what is what I uh, so when you were working in the office, you never knew who was telling the truth, yeah, not like in a bad way, but you never knew if the re if the champion was going to stay champion or you know not. So it was always. We had a lot of changes going on all the way through. But what I really was amazed with, and it, it, uh, I think you get the sense from TV, but when you're really close to it, these guys are incredible athletes. If I, even if I'm going to tell you I'm going to pick you up, hold you over my head, and throw you through a table, it hurts. And you do it every night for 10 nights. And you, know, and you do this for eight minutes or 10 minutes at a time. These guys, it, really, really incredible athletes. And now they've become incredible actors as well. So, you know, you, you have this really unique, uh, Vince, is, Vince is a brilliant genius. He saw exactly what needed to happen in order for wrestlers to resonate, the personalities to resonate. And having been able to, to work next to him for, you know, it was only a year, uh, but it was pretty incredible. And then what were some of your duties and that experience? Like when you were working next to him, what kind of responsibilities were you taking on? Yeah, so I was, I, I went up, I took a job as a regional promoter. Basically, I was going to promote all the live events, the ones that come to Nationwide or The Shot, for the Northeast, uh, excluding New York City. So that was my job when I got there. And then the business wasn't doing all that well. And so they let a lot of people go, and I ended up running all of North America. So I was traveling Canada, all across the U.S., and we, our responsibility was to maximize the revenue for the shows, sell the largest number of tickets, and make sure the buildings looked really good for pay-per-view and TV, right? So uh, because if you've ever watched an event that looks half full or half empty, depending on how you look at it, it, it you're like, what's, what's up with that? So you, know, you always try to create the illusion that the building was full. So what's, in all that process, right, and all this setup and, and in that entire time, what's like the biggest challenges you're facing uh, at these, some of these events? Um, is it involved with creating that illusion or is there a particular like high pressure items that you were going through? Yeah, so uh, yeah, I mean every, every major event like that was definitely high pressure because the expectation was the building was gonna be full. But that's where uh, really, Vince taught me the greatest lesson of my marketing career, uh, which is we learn it in class, but it, he, he understood it better than anyone. He would, uh, we were in Winnipeg. It was a pay-per-view show. I saw him before it, and he asked me how the building was going to look, 
And I started telling them all the things we'd done to try to, to get it to look good and that we were going to have to move the crowd to a half house situation to where you move people so where the TV looks really good. And about maybe 40 seconds into me throwing up all over myself trying to tell him what we'd done, uh, he stopped me and said, hey, Jim, people, if I can't create the storyline or the personality that people want to see, all the great marketing in the world isn't going to make a difference. And it all comes down to product, right? And he, was, he took the ultimate responsibility for the product. You can market around a bad product, and ultimately it may work for a short period of time, but ultimately it won't. So it was, it's always good because it's a, a, a really good reminder that, hey, sometimes we'll, we'll try to dress something up that maybe shouldn't be. Sounds like a great testament to leadership and someone to spend some, some good time around who will take ownership like that in a situation where it's really easy to put blame on a uh, direct report or, or anything else. So you carry out your a year, a little over a year that it was there, and then where do things progress from that point? Yeah, so then I got, uh, first time I got recruited back to Ohio State uh, to work in the athletics department. And uh, Andy Geiger had started shortly before I got there, and uh, they were looking for a director of marketing at the time, and I never would have thought they'd hire somebody from the WWF ever. And it turns out uh, they did, and I got an opportunity to come back and be a, be a part of the athletic department that built the Bill Davis Stadium, the Schottenstein Center, the Jesse Owens Memorial Track and Soccer facility, renovated the stadium the first time, all in five years. And uh, that was an incredible experience to be a part of. And Andy, so if Vince is a and Vince is a visionary. Andy was also a visionary. He was 20 years ahead of the SEC. 20 years. The facilities that we were investing in, the SEC is just starting to catch up on. Heck, Georgia didn't even have an indoor practice facility until uh, a year ago. We so. So it was great to, to work with a guy who had vision and had bold goals for what the program should be. And I think both of those guys definitely had some vision. And I think that's a theme you'll hear as we go through the rest of the, the, the journey. Yeah, it sounds like it. So after you get through with Ohio State then, uh, is that where have we hit the crew or are we going back through Columbus? Are we staying in Columbus the rest of this time? Or? We, we are. I get to make a nice uh, – I think it's about a 10-year run in Columbus the first time around, almost mm. 10 years. Uh, so four and a half or five at in the athletic department. I know it was five bowl games. I don't know if it was full five years. Um, I think that's what they measure things in anyways. Right. Right. Yeah, seasons, <laughs> you know, all those things. And then I, I, I think I left in the middle of my fifth year of the crew when they went to the finals the, the first time, and they, I thought it was because of me that they finally made the finals. No, that I left. They, oh. they finally made it because I left. So yeah, then it was uh, it was the crew and um, Jamie Roots, who was the general manager pre, uh, prior to me, the first one, uh, called me and he he told me he was leaving to go to the Texans, and uh, you know I said, oh great, congratulations. He goes, uh, Jim, I'd really like to introduce you to Lamar, and I said, Jim, I'm not going to soccer, huh. and uh, he said, come on. He said, just meet with him. And uh, so I did. And I grew up playing soccer. So it was not that I didn't, I did love the sport. I just knew where the business was. It, it was not 
this was this is still a fledgling startup. Startups that become unicorns. I don't know how long do they take? Seven years? Yes, I mean I guess I guess it's everywhere in between. We probably know that. Stat, yeah, we're know we're still we working on it here at FMX. So, <laughs> but they take time, right? And sports leagues take time, right? Uh, it, nothing happens overnight. Yet everybody expects it to happen overnight. But I, so I thought, oh, okay, I can go be a part of something that was I, I care about because I, I care about Columbus a lot. Uh, I enjoy the sport, and I can run my own show. First time I'm going to run my own show to be the president of the team. And I thought, ah. And then after meeting Lamar, I thought, definitely. He was a, he, he was a special human being and a, and a great man to work for and another visionary. Because Lamar is, you know, everybody knows is credited with coining not just the term Super Bowl. He, he created that name. Uh, but he's why the modern-day NFL is merged and strong. Uh, they're not two competing leagues. He forced the merger along with some of his colleagues. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, uh, you know, working with someone like him was really, really incredible. And he had, he had, he had a firm belief, even never having played soccer himself, had a firm belief soccer would be a major sport in this country. And what age are you when you join the crew? Uh, a 35. And then you stay there till? Till Jamie calls me again and says, hey, there's two NFL jobs open. And one was in Atlanta and one was in San Francisco. So we have a lot of people on this show, and they always say about the phone call, like this this person called me, and every time now I get a oh, phone, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for, I'm waiting calls. for that first that first CEO but, but, ask, <laughs> and every time it's just Mike. <laughs> I'm just well, so disappointed. As soon as Mike becomes a CEO, he's calling you. And well, that's when it's going to happen. We no, can only really, hope. I, I say that to uh, when I when I talk to grad students or students in general. I said, look around. One of you is calling the other at some point in time. It's going to happen. It is about the people you meet and create relationships with is how your career can advance. Now, in my case, I, I was willing to move, right? So that mm -hmm. gave me a huge advantage. The, 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 the truly, the entire United States was my opportunity up until my children got to an age where there were very few places we were moving to. And I think that is when it really narrowed. Well, my number's the same, and I'm willing to move, so anybody out there, just keep that noted. So then we, we get the call, and we end up at Atlanta Falcons after that then? Mm. Yeah, after uh, just under four and a half years with the crew, and it was really incredible. It was an incredible run. We had some really good teams. We went through a little bit of turmoil. We hosted the first U.S.-Mexico match here in Columbus. It's my Honestly... I have a lot of favorite stories from that time, era, but the one when I, I said to Lamar, I think our, we need to go, because you bid for World Cup qualifiers, and you can bid for any one of them. I said, we have to bid for the one in February. And he thought I was completely nuts. February soccer in Columbus, are we going to be able to sell it out? I said, yes. This is the ultimate home field advantage. And sure enough, history shows that it really was the ultimate home field advantage for a very long time. And it's part of what uh, I think really helped uh, put soccer on the map in this country. And it happened to all happen here in Columbus, which is why I'm uh, very passionate about, hey, we got to find a way to keep the crew here. 
Yeah, we agree. We actually had Frankie Haydock on the show. Oh, uh, Frankie. Well. So he's, he's, I brought Frankie to Columbus. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, well, during my time there, we signed him. So. Yeah. So Frankie was a fun guy. That yeah. was a lot of fun. And he, he's really excited about the crew, too. And I think the more I talk to people, like, I'll wear, like, a crew shirt somewhere, right? And I'll get, like, three or four people come up and, like, oh, aren't you excited they're going to stay? Like, all this stuff. So I think it's definitely something big for Columbus. But um, I guess, we, what do we got? We've got a little bit of tennis, some baseball, some football, some wrestling, like, everything. It sounds like you've had a lot of sports and a lot of different roles in, the, in that kind of world. Were there any commonalities across oh, yeah. all of them? So my mine is the business of it, mm-hmm. right? It's not so much the the sport or the entertainment vehicle. I, I genuinely like the business of it. There's strategy that's required. There's business acumen that's required. You have to be able to sell. You have to be able to develop relationships with people. Uh, you know, you have some politics that you have to deal with. You have a legal office or a corporate office. So all that's all the commonality and really the – the widget is the, the actual sport. Uh, so replace and, and the zeros, right? I mean, there's a, a big difference between Major League Soccer in 2004 and the NFL in 2004. <laughs> so uh, that's the other, or Ohio State, then soccer, then the NFL. Uh, so, but the uh, but the, really, the widget is sport for me, and I like building businesses around that. Makes a lot of sense. And then so. Uh, you spend some time with the Falcons. After the Falcons, is that when we come to full circle and we're coming back to Ohio yeah. State? So 12 years uh, in Atlanta at the Falcons, and um, great run. I'd say we had three careers. I had three careers in one. And I think that's the other thing. So if you look at my career, uh, everything's about a four, four-and-a-half-year run, and then I was moving on, and then I did a 12-year stint, right? And it was really three, three careers there. One was – pre-Mike Vick, one was rebuilding after Mike Vick, and then we built the stadium and uh, we bought the Major League Soccer team, Atlanta United, which is uh, going to be playing here in the playoffs. So that was my 12-year run there in Atlanta. Now, obviously, I mean, every, all the changes kept you excited that you wanted to stick around there then. What was it about it that was just, yeah. I mean, Atlanta itself? Or? So, no, no. It, I mean, so career growth. And uh, the opportunity to do different things in the, in the same organization, right? So very rarely do you get in the NFL the, the opportunity to create a whole new brand, right? And that's what we had to do in, after we lost the arguably the most electrifying quarterback ever to play in the NFL and, and in, a, in a tough way. Mm-hmm. And then you had to rebuild a fan base. We lost like literally half our fan base, half. No NFL team loses half their fan base in one year. You may lose them over time, but you don't lose them all in one year. So rebuilding, building credibility back up, and then and then we started to design a new stadium, being part of that process, and then buying in a, a, a major league soccer expansion team and helping launch that. Uh, that was those are all career career pieces that are pretty cool. Uh, Your soccer experience must fit very well into that situation. It did, and that and that was one that I really enjoyed being a part of um, and helping do that. Mm-hmm. So, so as, you, as you look, um, just real quick, as you, as you look through that progression too, like what do you think it was about you personally that allowed you to progress? Obviously there are other people in the organization at that time and you got picked over top of them for some reason or another to take these different opportunities. Was it your, your drive, your initiative, or anything else that sticks out to you? No, it was because of the people. And I think that's the, that is the other part of my, uh, my career is 
uh, it's being around really, really good people, developing a team of really good people, and then being in the right position at the right time. So some of it is luck. Uh, some of it you create yourself. But you absolutely have to be working with great people. So I felt like every place I left, I left really good people to continue to build the business and run the businesses. Definitely makes a lot of sense. So who's the call that brings you back for the Alumni <laughs> Association? So the alumni, they, they hired a search firm. And so they did a, they did a pretty extensive search. And they were, you know, look, you're, uh, they had to look for someone. Um, they were looking for a certain profile of someone who can go out and connect and really develop strong relationships with our alumni. And it's a very diverse group. We've got alumni who are 21 and 101 and everywhere in between. And there's 560,000 of them. So it's a pretty, pretty big, broad, diverse group. And then you have to find someone. Uh, they had to find someone who was following a legend, right? You're never going to... No matter who you hire, they don't have two Heisman trophies and be ultimately the ultimate Buckeye. He's a wonderful human being. He's a great leader, put the association in great position. But you got to be, you got to have the, the, the right approach to be able to, uh, to do that. And I felt very comfortable in that. And the other reason was my wife's from Granville and this was an opportunity for us to kind of come full circle. And uh, so in this job, if this is one of those where uh, like a lot of these, these jobs don't come open very often. This one opened twice in 47 years. Right. So it's a now or never decision. I'm in a great job with a lot of work still to do in Atlanta. And this comes up and you're like, if I say now, no, now, no chance, never again. And, uh, you know, so why not? This is, I, I love this place. Uh, and if it doesn't work, I'll find something else but so far it's worked pretty well yeah I'm sure it seems probably like it'd be a lot of fun to just you know be able to have that connection with everybody so many alumni to talk to and so many people to do so what are some of your major initiatives at the moment you know in your day-to-day -day, what are you thinking about as you're going about um, the roles with the alumni yeah. so there's a, it's a two-part answer right it's what do I think about and then what is the group doing on a regular basis right so through many different platforms, the association staff, who is absolutely outstanding, are serving our alumni in the different constituents in many different ways. They may not be serving every one of them, but there are groups that we are touching, trying to be a part of, trying to help as they grow in their lives, in their careers, in their retirement, and, and all those things. So everything from our Young Alumni Academy, which I think, you were part of. I got the opportunity yeah. to be a part yeah. of it. It was a good experience. It, yeah, so we understand that there's opportunities for us to fill gaps after you graduate, right? And the Young Alum Alumni Academy is that. It also hopefully gives a nice cohort of people to be able to work with, and maybe one of them will call you for that opportunity. Yeah. Um, but that's one. We, we have, um, we have a, a very extensive, and you don't need it as much. We don't need it here as much in Columbus, but we have a very extensive club network, right, of Buckeye. So if you're living in Atlanta and you need a trusted source of group of people to get together, you find the Atlanta Buckeye Club, right, and Alumni Club. And so we have 150 of those around the world. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was, uh, so funny story, I mean, I'm from San Diego, yeah, and I was like, 
ah, there can't be that many people from Ohio State in San Diego when I first applied and got in. Um, went to the alumni meeting. There were hundreds of people. And the funny story about it was that the, the Alumni Association of San Diego meets at a bar called Moondoggies in uh, Pacific Beach. And right across the street's the Michigan bar. Yeah. So, like, it's just a funny, like, a little yeah. small slice of Ohio, Michigan, right there in San Diego. It was just one of the craziest things I've ever yeah. seen. That's great. And that's what the clubs are going to do, to bring people together uh, for fellowship, friendship, Buckeyeship. But also, a lot of those clubs do great work in their communities as Buckeyes. So they're an extension of our brand. They're raising money for scholarships that don't get sent. That money doesn't get sent here. It's given to the local students coming here. And that's a great message that they can feel like they're contributing back by helping somebody become a Buckeye, right? There's no better feeling than alumni helping somebody else become one of them. And then they volunteer together in their own community, right? And so those are really cool things that we try to help and facilitate. So we get a staff who, who does that, and they're working on that every day with 150 of them. And they're volunteers. Remember, they're volunteers. That's a, that's a lot of work. Right, so we have we have a big group uh, doing that. We we have a, a student alumni council, so we're working with students and getting prepared to become alumni. Uh, we have a travel program that's really incredible. It's probably more for as you get older. Although we are offering some now young alumni. We went to Iceland uh, two years ago. We went where'd we go this year, Dan? I can't remember. We went to some really cool place, which I'm too old to know. It's cool, but it was cool to everybody else. Uh, but these things are you know, so we we're looking at uh, at all these things. So that's what my group's doing. What I'm really interested in is trying to uh, uh, create a, uh, an opportunity for alumni who are entrepreneurs uh, to really utilize the Buckeye Network to help advance their startup, right? So spending a lot of time. The university has many programs for students and faculty uh, with some alumni help. But I think that that's an opportunity for us uh, to fill a void that doesn't really exist. And we're a trusted source, right? I think if you were to come to us that you would know it's a safe place to be able to come and talk about an idea or take your, maybe it's more than an idea, maybe it's a business and you need some mentorship and you need some uh, advice and that we have, a, we have a network of people who can help. So that is one thing I'm spending a lot of time on. And the other is, um, seeing what role, if any, the Alumni Association can play with uh, student debt and, and uh, the student debt uh, issue that many of our uh, young people face. And uh, for me, it was really personal. Uh, my nephew, who didn't go to Ohio State, went to a, a state school somewhere else, uh, was living with us for a while. And you know, I just happened to ask how much he was saving for retirement. And he laughed. And then he showed me where it was and I started looking at it and I said, this is insane. There's gotta be a, a better way than this. And so I don't have a solution, but I've been spending a lot of time and this isn't just, sure, I'm focused on Buckeyes, but this isn't a, just a Buckeye solution. This is, we've, we've gotta find a, just a, a, a better way. Uh, and you know, so I spend a lot of time thinking about those two things because those are two areas clearly are uh, young alumni, and not all entrepreneurs are young, but young alum, we, we tend to skew that way. But those are two issues that I think we can make a dramatic impact and create uh, a, a early engagement with uh, our alumni. 
That's really exciting. The entrepreneurial thing alone, I mean, obviously the student debt uh, resonates loud and clear, but the entrepreneurial aspect, especially with where Columbus is going and um, having a billion dollar exit in the past, I think we're about to have two of them. There's another one here soon and just a lot of really exciting things going on here. I think people are starting to realize that um, Columbus's location and it's just enthusiasm is a great place to start a business and a lot of capital coming here. So I see that being tremendous. Outside of the Alumni Association at a personal level, like what do your goals look like for the next five to 10 years? Are you the type of person who kind of writes them down or you just yeah. kind of you know, take it one <laughs> step at a time? Never wrote anything down until about a year ago, right? So I was always the kind of guy who I was going to work, I was going to do my best. I was gonna, and really, part of doing my best was developing people around me. Always want to develop people around me to be and hire people who are smarter than me. Uh, so we can be successful. So, but uh, about a year, year and a half ago, uh, I heard about this book, uh, Designing Your Life. It's written by two Stanford guys. Uh, they work at Google for a while. And so I did the book, wrote, I mean, I actually wrote the essays. It's not designed for, it was, the book is a, it's a class they teach at Stanford. So it's not necessarily designed for somebody mid, mid to late career but I did it anyway, and it was just fascinating, and it kind of helped me say what I really wanted to accomplish uh, with, let's just say I've got 12 really good years left, right? Uh, and what I would like to do over those 12 years, and I think I want to be a millennial. I think I want to go and do a job really well for as long as I'm motivated to do it, and then try a few other things. And I, I kind of wrote down what those few other things are. But what they aren't was even more important. They are nothing that I've already done. I've already done it. I'm not doing it again. And it was a big reason why this was a great opportunity. This, this, this Fed, right, coming back and being able to be, be a part of a place I care deeply about and hopefully make a difference uh, fueled that to say, hey, it's something I've never done, and, uh, but I think I can do it. So I'll look over time and maybe, you know, or maybe I'll just retire. I don't know. <laughs> and it's interesting, you know, I think that um, when it comes to people being passionate about what they do, you can always tell when somebody's being genuine in the way they talk and the way they, you know, the way they speak about what they're doing. And I, I really get that feeling from you and, and the passion comes through and, and I can tell you're really enjoying what you're doing. So, you know, with that being said, I think that's probably a great place to pivot towards one of our last questions of the show. And it's centered around a theme here on Cochrane and Columbus. Uh, which we chose live uncomfortably mm -hmm. and without telling you too much about why we chose that what do you think of when you hear the phrase how do you apply it to your life career yeah so i think uh the for me and i, I can't wait to hear more about it but uh for me it's been about moving and always having to start over and that 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 is uncomfortable uh and believe it or not it gets harder as you get older it doesn't get easier you know the uh leaving atlanta hard you know especially at a place i've been 12 years but coming back to a place that felt like home made it easier right but it's still a change and uh, so i think that is definitely one and then uh working this is a field that's completely new right so i had to i had to take my basic skills uh and apply them in a, in a completely new environment and you know talk about being an outsider coming in i was an outsider like out outsider, not just I, I didn't I didn't work in college, I, I worked in sports, in professional sports, which you know 
maybe the most capitalistic enterprise out there. Uh, and now I'm coming into an environment that, um, you know, people probably looked at me and said, "Why? that's really interesting. Why, why him? Um, and so that took time uh, to get people to know uh, that I was genuinely interested and that there was a, a real reason and that I can make a difference here. Uh, but it was very uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, I, that first year was hard, hard. Definitely. And Jim, that's a good answer. And we really appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the show today. I, I've had a lot of fun. So thank you. Yeah, thanks. And Conquerors, thanks for tuning in. That was Jim Smith. He's the president and CEO of the Ohio State University Alumni Association. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode and learned a lot. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, Conquerors, that's it for the episode today. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode and learned a lot. If you did, make sure to leave a like. Share us on Facebook with your friends. We really appreciate all your support. And every time you share our podcast or leave a review on iTunes, it really does help us out. Before we let you go, we want to take one last moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here. And that's going to start with FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself, become the fastest-growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored-fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state. And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And our next sponsor is Share. For the rides that you take the most, ride with Share. Share is a new transportation company now driving Columbus. Schedule your ride and Share picks you up at your door with professional drivers and a growing fleet of connected vehicles. Share is now hiring with entry-level management positions available. You can learn more about careers with Share at drivewithshare.com. Finally, if you've ever wondered what it takes to start your own podcast, we're here to help. We're putting together a podcast startup package with our recommendations and some of the key lessons we learned over the past two years of podcasting. You can sign up by heading over to our website, conqueringcolumbus.com. And while you're there, don't forget to give us a like on Facebook and be sure to subscribe and share Conquering Columbus wherever you get your podcasts. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and I might get you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.